This is a Federal News Network podcast. When the Social Security Administration denies someone's claim for supplemental or disability payments, there are a lot of ways to appeal the decision. But the process can and often does take years. The delays are so significant that members of Congress wanted to know how many Americans are dying or getting forced into bankruptcy while they're awaiting a decision. The Government Accountability Office tried to answer that question, and in the process, they came up with new data on just how long the appeals process really takes. Elizabeth Curta is a director on GAO's Education, Workforce, and Income Security team. She talked with me about the new findings. Appeals uh, can take a very long time to reach a final conclusion. We looked at wait times of people who are appealing their denial of a disability benefit claim over a 10-year period, and we found that it can be especially long if they are appealing at multiple levels of review. Um, someone who wants to appeal their disability claim can, there's three levels of review. They can ask for a reconsideration of the initial decision. They can ask, after that, they can ask for a hearing before an administrative law judge. And then finally, if um, they are still denied, they can go before an appeals counsel. Um, most people waited more than one year for a final decision. The medium time, um, the median wait time rose after the Great Recession, peaking in 2015 at 839 days, which is about 2.3 years. Um, the demographics of people appealing their claims are generally uh, older Americans and those with less education, um, but we found that the wait times didn't very much didn't vary much by age, sex, or education level. And, and, you know, at the risk of stating the obvious, wait times of, of that duration are are kind of crazy in this context because almost by definition this is a population of people who are facing economic difficulty that's pretty serious and they need the money right now, not two and a half years from now. But the specific issue you were asked to look at is whether there was an increase in deaths and bankruptcies during those extended waits, I think. You can tell me if I'm mischaracterizing that. But I know the data I know the data is a little bit noisier there, partly because it's really hard to tell whether there's a direct causal relationship between the wait time and the death or the bankruptcy. But but in that data, did you find anything of, of significance that jumped out at you? That's right. We can't say for sure that um, the, the fact that they were waiting or on their appeal um, is what sort of was the cause of bankruptcy or death. But what we know is that this is what happened to people while they're waiting. And, these, and it's true that this is a population that has you know, tremendous health challenges. And they also tend to be very low income because you, you can't qualify for benefits if you have much um, of any income. So what we found was um, that about 48,000 um, people, or about 1.3% of those who appealed their claim, filed for bankruptcy between 2014 and 2019. And we found that this population was disproportionately older, um, female, and had more, more than a high school education. As you said, there are, there are multiple stages in the appeals process that people can choose to escalate to. Where does the main bottleneck seem to be in that process? I think there's four stages, if there is a main bottleneck. Yeah, I mean, there's the initial claim. That takes time um, to, to get a decision on that. And then there's three sort of appeals levels after that. There is the reconsideration phase, 
there's the hearing before an administrative law judge, that's the next level of appeal, and then there's the appeals council. The bottleneck, if you, it, if you want to characterize it that way, is where the, the most of the wait time is, is at the hearing level before the administrative law judge. Um, those tend to take um, a long time to process, um, and it's where they have historically had some um, challenges uh, with wait times. You, you did mention that there was an increase in wait times kind of correlated to the Great Recession and I, I would assume an increase in claims. I, I would have to assume there's got to be something going on around COVID, too, just because of the economic effects of the pandemic, along with the fact that probably there is less resourcing at SSA. Does your work completely predate COVID or have you had any discussions with SSA about what kind of effects the pandemic might have on, on, on these issues that we're talking about here? Yes, all of our work predated um, the COVID crisis. Um, our data goes through 2019, um, and the COVID crisis didn't really start having an impact here until the spring of 2020. As you can imagine, um, you know, I think a lot is left to be to be determined. Um, we're going to be continuing this work at SSA, and we will be um, asking for 2020 data. Um, and we will see what we can learn from that. Um, we may see an impact there. However, the problem is sometimes it can take a couple years to see how things play out, so we'll only see at the very front end of this, um, and we won't necessarily see the many years of effects after that, which you might expect. Sure, and, and going back to where we started, just the trends in, in wait times overall, as you said, there was an increase that lagged by a couple of years behind the Great Recession. And then I think SSA has actually made some progress against that in recent years, haven't they? That's right. They have brought those um, average wait times down um, a good amount since um, the peak in about 2015. It's hard to look at median uh, wait times in the last couple of years because what happens is um, those only represent people who have um, gotten a final decision and there are still people waiting for their decision. So the numbers, it's, you can't really compare, say, 2017 um, or 2018 to the 2015 numbers because it's a little, it's incomplete. We, ha we haven't seen some of these claims play out. Did you get into with SSA at all what, what kinds of things they've done to bring the numbers down? No, we didn't look at that for this report. They have a, a number of ongoing initiatives um, to, to try to bring the numbers down, and they have had some, some success in recent years, and we've reported that in um, our high-risk series. That's Elizabeth Curta, a director on GAO's Education, Workforce, and Income Security team. We'll post a link to the report we've been discussing at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, Always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.